So, you know, next thing I kind of want to shift is, is, I mean, as far as, you know, facility management and, and working with the FMs, I mean, it looks as though, and you might agree with this, is that we got to find a way to, I guess, communicate in the right language with maybe like the CFO type language where we can educate, you know, those people, the higher ups or the C-suite people on why budgets for facilities should be going down. And, and those are, that's going to be tough because not everyone gets to speak to those people. Right. And so I think by giving them tools, educating them, whether, holy smokes, that music is loud. <laughs> so by giving them tools, educating them correctly, um, and saying why we need to spend this kind of money could be something that could help these facility managers have those conversations with their directors, with their you know, CFOs, et cetera. It's, it's, so it's funny you bring that up. One thing that we talk about in my with my sales team is how to educate FMs to talk to their bosses on why things these things are valuable. Interesting. Like why fixing this is valuable, why fixing that is valuable. You know, not to get into too much detail. Yeah, yeah, I got you. But yeah, so we try and give them tips like you're going to want to fix this because it's going to help you direct the sales. Yes. So anyways, you know, you talk about your salespeople, training them on how to educate the, the FMs and how to speak to the higher-ups on, on why this costs this. Sure. And so is that pretty successful for the most part? Is Probably not, but it, it's, a, it's another tool in the toolbox. And I, I think that... You know, the the FM at least can take that back and have that education conversation. Yes. If they don't know how to, and, and if they do, we don't. You know, we obviously aren't teaching everybody new things. But if, if they feel like they're not quite versed enough, we'll help them. Like, hey, this is probably a good idea because of this. And yes. Then they'll have that conversation. If it's a budgetary thing, it's a budgetary thing, and we're probably that. not going to win that battle. So next thing I want to do is is kind of shift to where we're talking a little bit more about, you know, um, vendor suppliers. And before we got here, when we were driving from Colorado Springs, uh, I kind of brought up that I feel like some people in this industry are selling like it's 1990. And I'm sorry, this is we're in the 2020s. We're in the educational thing where it's about adding value, educating our audience, talking the same language. And I know you kind of mentioned something along the lines that you'd love to kind of share some stuff. I don't want you to give your secret sauce, you know, but what, what do you think you could contribute to help Vendors like ourselves to improve in, in those areas. Well, I think from the vendor point of view, it's a, it's about the technology, right? You know, when you're a small regional, a small company, a regional company, you know, a lot of times we still run into it. It's you know, it's a husband and a wife. The wife's doing all the paperwork, or the husband's coming home at the end of the night, dumping dumping the paperwork down, and who knows when the billing gets done, right? Right. And so. Um, it's technology. It's investing in your company. If you want to do that, you need to educate yourself in a work order management system or some sort of billing management system. You need to invest in some sort of bookkeeper so that you and your wife can go out to dinner on Friday night or go on a bit small vacation, whatever the case may be. I got a vendor buddy. He started his company when I was at my old company, mm -hmm. uh, and it was him and his wife. Really? And he's a GC, and, okay. and he's great. He's great at what he does. But he, and he grew his company from, you know, small little uh, regional guy. Now it's a GC, he's building hotels. Really? But yeah, but to get, and that, this is over the last uh, 13 years. But to get from where he was, he went through some struggles. And when we first opened up, Branded Group, I brought him on board. And he was my guy uh, out in Connecticut. And he handled the whole state for me for some, some handyman stuff. 
and uh, he started getting overwhelmed, and he started he started yelling at my CSRs. Mm -hmm. He couldn't get things done fast enough, um, and he was taking on too much work because he didn't want to say no. Mm -hmm. And I finally called him. And I'm like, hey man, you need to hire somebody. You, you can't go out all day, work all day, come home at night, do all your paperwork, then give it to your wife who does all the billing and, and bookkeeping, mm -hmm. and then have her turn around the next day like. A, you're probably going to get divorced because you guys have absolutely yes. no like quality of life. Yeah. And B, you're going to lose business because you can't keep this up. Yeah. We told him, I said, hire somebody. So we ended, he, he finally called me about three months later. Mm -hmm. He said, thank you. I hired someone. Uh, we implemented a work order management system. Mm -hmm. I actually hired two people and a bookkeeper, so three people. His wife wow. now doesn't work for him anymore, and she sells real estate. Okay. He builds hotels. They make a ton of money, and I just actually texted him about two weeks ago and I said, hey, I got a question for you. And he said, can I get back to you when I get back from my vacation in Jamaica? And I was like, thank you, my friend. Yes, that's the greatest thing I've that heard. That is awesome. So you gotta, as a small uh, company, you can't do it all and you can't do it all on paper. And sometimes saving a buck short term isn't gonna, the cost, the cost value analysis is just not there. The time isn't there. Spend the money on it so that you can have a life. Right? Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I mean, that's something that, you know, I'm slowly trying to introduce those sort of things into our company as well too. Is is, is leveraging technology to create automations. You know, I mean, I mean, the best example I can kind of give you is we landed a Fortune 50 company, and it wasn't because of me sending personal emails every single week. It was me sending out automated emails that were really tailored to this audience. Okay. And I followed up with phone calls that were in conjunction with these emails. I followed up with LinkedIn messages in conjunction with these other things. And eventually I got a phone call back. He's like, all right, Javier, I got eight emails, four phone calls, two LinkedIn messages. You now have my attention. But my point being is, is that I didn't you know, just go down a spreadsheet and just start smiling, dialing. Yeah. I had a system and I had a process to allow me to be that successful. And I kind of laughed about it because I'm like, I didn't send him a single email. Right. You know, I mean, I did. In theory, right? Exactly. Well, so I actually, my my sales team is comprised of millennials. Cool. And they taught me something. when I So when I got into the industry, I was, I cut my teeth smiling and dialing. Yeah. Back in 2001 to 2004, selling industrial machines yeah. to colleges and hospitals. Yep. And that was the only way to do business back then. Yes. So it was to just get on, get them on the phone and hopefully they were in their office you yes. know, eating their lunch and smoking a cigarette or whatever. Yep. So now, you can't get anyone on the phone. I mean, I can't remember the last time I even had a regular phone call with anyone besides my family. <laughs> but, uh, but so they taught me, it's all about LinkedIn now. You have to be on LinkedIn, have a presence on LinkedIn. And yeah. Send your messages through LinkedIn yeah. because it's a very friendly way. You can see who you're talking to. You can have a conversation. You can do a little research in the background, all at the touch of a couple of buttons. Yes, and then you can close close business, or then at least want to have that phone call. Right? Exactly. I'm so happy you said that because that's that's something that I do. Is I, I leverage LinkedIn. Um, I'm putting out content like crazy. Some content is for the facility, HVAC, refrigeration kind of stuff, and other stuff is just literally sales and marketing. And I'm very transparent to who I'm selling to. And what I mean by transparent is, is that I'm okay if they know how I'm selling to them. Because you know what? They know that I'm not a liar. They know that I'm not trying to hide anything. They know that I'm honest about my approaches. I've got nothing to hide. 
Right. And then all of a sudden you're like, all right, this dude is pretty open book, man. I can at least get on the phone with this person and talk to them. And I agree with you. Like LinkedIn is a very, it's like dating for sales. It totally is. It totally is. And I feel like not a lot of people are doing it correctly. Now I will say there are other people that are just destroying it. And I get this a lot <laughs> where they friend you. And like two days later, they have like a friendly pitch trying to sell you something. Right. I'm like, dude, like, and, 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 and I already know it's going to happen. Like I see the title, I'm like, all right, this guy's going to sell me within 24 to 48 hours, I'm going to get a sales email. And next thing you know, I get a sales email, I'm like, no, I'm not interested. Right. And I, I joke with them, like they're trying to sell me like marketing services. I go, did you see what my titles are? Like, do you see what I've done? Right. Like, like I do marketing, like I know what you're trying to do. So it's just interesting, but. Well, I think it's like, it's kind of like the online dating, as I said before, and like you get to know each other before you have a conversation, right? And mm -hmm. then you can decide if you want to have a conversation. Yeah. And I, I do agree. I get the same thing where I'll get a, an email pitch, uh, a LinkedIn pitch after accepting their friend request and be bombarded with some stuff. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> you know, but as a salesperson, I always try to be uh, mindful and say yes. thank you, no thank you, or not interested. There's yeah. some that I, I can't respond to all of them, but yeah. uh, I mean, for me, that always went a long way when someone was just like, look, I'm just not interested in your services, but thank you. Yeah. And I, I always appreciate At that, because that'll leave you alone, yes, right? exactly yeah. my point. I'm so happy you say that, too, because I'm the same way, too. I'll tell people I'm like, not interested, and I'll just leave it at that. And then other people, I'm like, that's a really good sales pitch. Tell me more. I don't know if I'm interested, but I'm just interested to hear what your rest of the pitch is. So um, it's actually kind of relieving to hear that you say as a salesperson that you get it. You appreciate the hustle. You appreciate the grind. Absolutely. You know, because that's what you want to see in your own people. Right. I mean, I, I've, I've even gone to the far as, as like I've gotten emails. And it's like this long email about trying to sell me something. And then I replied back to this guy. And I'm thinking he was like an SDR. And I, I, I wasn't condescending. I wasn't rude. I basically replied to him. And I wrote him. A, I spent like a half hour writing this stinking email. I was like, I don't know if your manager's making you write these emails, but these are horrible. Right. You know, I'm like, first of all, you don't even know what my pain points are. You're trying to sell me a very, you know, the minute that you send an email, like you haven't, you know, created a relationship with me. You haven't sent me anything valuable that would probably mean something to me. Like you're trying to literally, you know, like on, on a first date, like trying to get a kiss on the first date, like ain't going to happen, dude. Right. Like ask me some stuff, warm me up, at, you know, send me some valuable information, but don't send me a, you know, your life story about why your company is great. Right. And well, that, that sounds like probably what you said. It's just like a broad strokes email, and if you, you know, hit enough, someone's going to respond. Right? Yeah. it's a numbers game to that guy. Which it, it's, it's, at some point it, it is a numbers game, right? But <laughs> but you got with our industry being a niche industry, and there's only I mean there's a, a lot of people you can sell to, but not like any other industry, right? There's yeah. only so many FMs out there. Yeah. There's only so many FMs out there looking for HVAC or looking for facilities yes. management yep. as, a, as an aggregator. And so to find those people and just hit them all with a blanket email, it's kind of like, Does it work? it's a waste of your time and effort. Yeah. And probably swiping left on that guy. Right? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's totally it. Um, so is there something that you want to, you know, maybe share a little bit more about the supplier side or vendor side on just, you know, what works for your company? Again, I don't, I'm not expecting you guys to share everything, but I'm just saying like, there's things that works for me that I know works in every other industry. And I don't know if there's something else that's made you successful, made your company successful on just being able to, to get through to the next level on the sales, on the vendor supplier side. Well, I think, again, back to us being a niche, small industry with like a finite amount of people that we can sell to, um, it's really 
building relationships yes. and, and partnership, well, you got to build a relationship first. And I feel that you need to be authentic. You have to be yourself. This is authentic. Yeah. So yes. I'm glad you're saying that though. No. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, that's okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you got to be, you got to be yourself. You got to be authentic. People want to buy from people they like. Because yes. I sell the same thing that, uh, you know, a thousand other companies out there sell. Mm -hmm. So if, I, if you're going to buy from me, I, I hope you like me enough to want to buy it. I don't know many people that are like, I hate that guy, but his company's really good and I want to buy yeah. because his company's good. I think it's more, you know, I like that guy, I like what he stands for. And then you, you build that relationship. I, I'm, I have customers that have been with me for, I've been doing this for 13 years. I have customers that have been with me for 13 years. That, You're kidding. That came with me. And in this industry, in this volatile industry, and I got customers that have left and taken me everywhere that they've gone. And I, I'm sure people out there listening all have a relatable story to that. Yeah, you know, yeah. You, you build a relationship, you keep a relationship, then you build a partnership. Yes. And so I think, you know, that stuff doesn't happen overnight. It's not, you can't send a blanket LinkedIn email and yes. then all of a sudden have these great partnerships and relationships where you know your, your, your clients your husband or wife or dog or kids or mm -hmm. names or things of that nature. So, and there's no rush. I mean, Sales cycles in our industry are long. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a long, long. I mean, sure, every once in a while you get a, you get a good one, and it happens in three months, right? Yeah. But for the most part, you're talking twelve to, to eighteen months. And sure, there's yeah. going to be people that are going to come in and say, "I can shorten that time. I can make that faster." And I'm sure they can, but I don't know if those relationships and partnerships are built with the right foundation mm -hmm. to be long sustaining. Yeah, and we're really happy you're saying that kind of stuff too, because that's something that I, I'm tired of seeing as well too. Is 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 trying to make a, a short sales cycle. I mean, I'd rather have a, a strong, a longer sales cycle that's sustainable, right? You know, because that means that it's built on something that can't be broken—a relationship, a trust, something that, like you know, you know what? Over the past twelve months, I know was, we've been negotiating, but I trust you because you've been honest and you've been authentic and, and true to me since the very beginning. And then there'll be a customer forever, right? And when and look, it's it's construction and facilities. At the end of the day. At least for me, I'm an aggregator. Mm -hmm. I'm only as good as my technicians. And I've got great technicians. We vet all of our technicians. But there's going to be bad days. These technicians are humans too. And sometimes they're hiring someone who, you know, you're getting down the, down the line, like not that it's subcontractor, but I'm talking to the, to the office of the HMAC supplier, and then he, he's got a technician. Mm -hmm. I mean, that guy's had a bad day. And, you know, it, it makes the branded group look bad, right? Yes. But... At the end of the day, I will always stand behind my word and make sure I can fix that stuff. Because yeah. it is a partnership. It's a relationship. Obviously, if it burns a store down, it's not a good thing. But, <laughs> but if, we fit, if we don't do the job right the first time, we yeah. will stand behind it and fix it. And thank you for being understanding and giving me the opportunity to do that. I'm so happy you say that, too, because I've actually had this conversation. I went to an event um, that Carrigo hosted two weeks ago in Atlanta. Okay. And we had some people there, too. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get to network with them, but you know, I went over there and, and we were kind of hanging out. There was like a, a like the vendors had like a brainstorming meeting. Anyways, we were talking about you know something that had to do with like you know self performing or or subbing out. And not to go into the deep story, but I said I'm sorry to say this, but Kriego, have you guys ever hired a bad W two employee? And they're like, well, yeah. Well, then that doesn't represent your entire brand, does it? They're like, well, no. It's no different if it's a 1099, if it's a subcontractor, if it's W two. It's a human made a mistake or was a bad hire right and you just move on and then hopefully the company that you know was in charge of that fixes it one way shape or form right they own it 
hey, hey, sorry about this. This won't happen. We'll never use them again. Right. Or, you know, hey, we'll, we'll absorb the cost of this. Whatever it is. There's so many ways to make it right. Yes. Yeah. And the opportunity to get to make it right is the, the big thing. Exactly. So I'm so happy you said that too because, I mean, that's the thing is, is like, this is me, W2 or 1099 because I've hired both. I've had great employees that are W2s. I have great employees that are 1099s. And I've had horrible on both sides. Right. You know? But even if they're great, people are humans, right? Yes. Like, you never know. And I think that's what I think gets removed from the whole situation. It's like it becomes a job, and the job is whatever, right? Let's, let's say you're, you're painting a wall, and the guy may have had a, a rough day, and he showed up late, and he didn't do a great job, and mm -hmm. you know, maybe he's going through a divorce, maybe he's, maybe he, his kid got sick, who knows, right? Yep. And so give them the opportunity to fix it, as long as it's not something crazy detriment, detrimental. Yes. And if if it's something that's a flaw, then you get rid of them, right? And then you, you're able to at least get someone else in there to fix the issue. Yeah, so. love it. So we're getting close to wrapping up here. I wanted to see what your thoughts are about what the future is for this facility. Um, like just facility management in general. I mean, you've been in it for a, lot, a while. You've seen where you're, you're doing the smile and dial and kind of stuff to where it is today. And even off air, we were talking about how we have to be creative on how we approach stuff. Like, where do you see it? Like, not just from a vendor side, but just the industry. Uh, I think that the industry is definitely going to be going towards a more experiential uh, facilities type thing where with all the technology we have available now, it's just getting more and more granular where you know by the phone checking into the store, like what mm -hmm. this person likes or what they've looked at before. Yeah. So it's going to start becoming a lot more technology, I think, in the store. So I think okay. that's going to be something that is going to be more break-fix okay. going forward. I don't think brick-and-mortar is going anywhere. Uh, I just think that it's going to evolve, right? Yes. So yeah. uh, I think with the evolution, companies like mine have to keep evolving as well. And I think we do a pretty good job of, of staying uh, for thinking with, with what we do with efficiencies and being able to get things at, at the second notice. You know, back when I first started, you had to go to the store, you had to wait for the actual paper sign off to, to come in or get scanned in on, on the yeah. computer, things of that, of that nature. So I think it's just going to, technology is going to make things so much faster that our industry will finally catch up in the next hopefully five years. And, I'd love to see that. Yeah, and there will be better apps, better technology for us to be able to have our technicians streamlined all the way up into invoicing straight through to yeah. you know our, our end user and things of that nature. That's awesome. I'm, I'm happy you're saying that too because that's something that I'd love to see. Uh, I mean, it's if you use it correctly, it makes you more efficient. You know, so um, something I also want to kind of just bring up before we you know, wrap this up too is, is that, you know, as I was reading your sites, uh, Branded group, you guys have this whole be better mantra. You want to explain more about that? Because I mean, I know you talk about your culture and how when you started it, you're about your people, you're about them. And yes, I know you're the face of your company, get that. But you're still kind of letting your people be the leaders, if you if you will. And you're still leading, but you're in the trenches with them. So yeah, so be better is our mantra. It started when we when we first were opening branded group and we were talking about. You know, what, why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. And it was because we wanted to be better. You know, we, we saw our turnover for the employees at the last place was very high. Mm -hmm. um, when when I was on my way out, I mean, I got let go for 
the reasons that I, I made too much money, basically, and mm -hmm. they didn't want to pay me anymore, so they yeah. wanted, wanted to bring that back, bring that, that money back in house. So we, we just saw a lot of things, and we were just like, just be better. We can. So that spawned the, mo the mantra, and now it's be better to our employees. Okay. And we've we've actual realized and actualized that if you are better to your employees, you will get a better retention rate. And then we talk about relationship and partnership. Those employees that are your frontline people dealing with your clients and your subcontractors every day, if they don't turn over, they start to be able to develop that relationship and partnership with their subs and with the clients, right? Yeah, yeah. So we want to be better to our clients. We want to be transparent with them. We want them to know, you know how we are building a partnership with them. Uh, we want to be better to our vendor partners. Yeah. We want to pay them on time. We want to make sure that, that we're transparent with them. And, uh, you know, again, if mistakes happen, let them, let them fix it. Yeah. And we want to be better to our community because uh, I started in 2014. And, you know, the first year we turned a profit. And it was great, but I kind of felt empty inside. I'm like, well, interesting. What, what am I doing? Yeah, what, yeah, what, yeah. What kind of legacy am I leaving? Interesting. So uh, we started the one for one program, which has evolved. And I think I mentioned it earlier. It's, you know, a minute of service time for every service call that we complete. And we do it through Habitat for Humanity, uh, Orange County Coast Keepers, and Second Harvest Food Pantry. That's awesome. And so it's all through our employees. So 85 employees do, you know, Thousands, do the math. Yeah. thousands of hours, you know, over the course of a year. Yeah. And then um, we lastly want to be better. I've just added this in 2020 is be better to ourselves. You know, what's, what's, if you're going so hard and you're working so hard and you don't take time for self care, mm -hmm. then, you know, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. But Seriously. What, what, what are you doing it for then? Wow. Well, it's interesting you bring this up too because, um, you know, the, the reason we got connected is because one of your employees, Michelle, mm -hmm. Um, I sent her a message and then we kind of started chit chat and I just kind of mentioned, Hey, I've got a podcast. I'm looking to, you know, interview some people that are interested in you know, potentially being a guest for their podcast. And she immediately said, our CEO, Michael would love this. He's an amazing person. And I was like, you can give me that introduction. She's like, Oh yeah, give me your email. I'll get the introduction going. And I was like, Holy smokes. Like it, it was not one of those, you know, well, you got to go through this and you got to go through the secretary. And I understand that. I respect that because every, everyone is different. Everyone is busy. Mm -hmm. Totally respect that. But what I appreciate is that the culture that you've instilled into the company that you're and that you guys are all trying to do is showing from your employees, even from me just doing a LinkedIn message, going back to LinkedIn works. Right. And next thing you know, like, you know, we're messaging back and forth on LinkedIn and we establish this, you know, you know, relationship where you're gonna come here and we do the actual podcast live. Yeah, at, you know, in Denver. And it just worked out perfect. Um, but my point kind of goes back to this whole thing is like I see exactly what you're doing in your company and it's really awesome. And so credit to you for doing that, credit to you to, for seeing things differently and there's a void and filling it and then just how you're doing it, man. It's so cool. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. So this is your chance to kind of do your pitch, you know, at the end. I know this is one a little bit longer than I kind of expected, but I didn't want to cut you off on some things, you know, but um, this is kind of your chance to kind of talk about what you want to do, whether it's getting in touch with branded group, whether it's, you know, talking about, you know, what you do for anything that has to do with, um, um, nonprofit work or anything like that, or just you know, something else. This is your opportunity. I think I've mentioned pretty much everything. Our website is www.branded-group.com. Um, we're, you know, we're available. All the emails are there. Sales at branded-group.com. If you want to get in touch with the sales department, uh, you know, our one-for-one -one program has evolved. We don't 
do one minute of service for every service call completed anymore because we've grown so exponentially that I'd have to hire someone full time just to do service work. <laughs> so it's a good problem to have, but we do we have committed to do over I want to say 500 hours of uh, community service in 2020, That's and awesome. we'll probably eclipse that. But I like to under promise and over deliver. Love it. And uh, yeah, so um, you know, love to talk to anyone that is looking to have some interest in a facilities management company. Awesome. So again, guys, this is Javier Lozano Jr. with Facility and Property Management Secrets Radio. Again, my guest was Michael Curlin with The Branded Group. He's the CEO and founder of this company. And thank you so much for tuning into this. Um, as you guys probably already know, uh, CMI Mechanical is a national HVAC refrigeration company. We can handle your, your national needs throughout the United States when it comes to HVAC refrigeration. And we love to have that conversation with you guys if you ever guys need that. If you love this podcast, please share it with your friends because the only way for this to get out there, for others to get educated about improving facilities, improving suppliers and, and vendors, and making this industry move forward is by sharing this podcast. The only thing I'm trying to do is just make this industry go forward just like michael said himself that he wants this to happen as well too and that's what we're asking is that you guys share it and just you know if you have suggestions that you would love to hear or t talk about or something like that we want to hear it because we're a fresh podcast this is where great suggestions will help us go through thanks a lot you guys have a great one